0: Hey guys, this is Fiorella Nira. Welcome to the Planner and Training Podcast.
1: Hi, Christy. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, thank you.
0: I'm I'm great. I'm super (laughs) excited to have you on the podcast and thank you so much for your time. Um, This is going to be a good one. I just feel it in my bones. It's going to be awesome.
1: Oh, thank you.
0: So before we get started, I want to make sure everybody knows who you are and what you do. So if you don't mind just telling um, our listeners what you do,
1: where you even work from, and a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, I am Christy Osborne. I am the founder of Mountainside Media. I also run a wedding blog called Mountainside Bride. And my company helps wedding pros and event pros develop sane and scalable marketing strategies to grow their business. And uh, basically what that means for me is uh, two things. One, I acknowledge that um, the audience we're trying to attract and target on the Internet. At the end of the day, they're humans. So they're humans on the internet. So I treat them like humans. Um, So I make sure that all of my content strategies actually talk to real people in compelling ways so that they'll want to do business with my clients. And the second thing that sets me apart from other folks is I love data and math. I can actually do math. I can do math in my head. It's a little game I like to play at the checkout stand at the grocery store. (laughs) And, um, and yeah, I use data and um, and metrics to tell a fuller story of humans on the internet. And then I guide my clients into making better marketing decisions so we can find more ideal clients and get more inquiries and book more sales.
0: That is amazing. And so we've been, um, you sent me some talking points already. And I really, really want to get to them because they're They're not only quite a few, but they're also um, intriguing and they're almost very detailed. So if let me start from let me back up a little bit. If I were to come to you as a client, what would be the first thing that you that I would go through? What would be some things that perhaps I'm struggling with that you would be able to help me with?
1: That's a great question. A lot of clients that come to me, um, they are a little bit farther along in their business, which I know that this is a beginning planner um, podcast. Um, But (laughs) for all the beginner planners, you will run into this problem, some of you within months, some of you within a year or so, but it's right around the corner. (laughs) And that is, you know, um, when you're, When you're first starting out, it might be easy to get a little bit of lift on uh, Instagram, you know, playing the hashtag game or boosting your posts on Facebook or, you know, you're really involved in your local NACE chapter or your ABC chapter and you're networking, you're getting business, you're making it happen, you're doing all the things. And there's going to come a certain point in your career where you're going to be like, I don't understand why I'm not growing anymore. (laughs) And that's when most clients will come to me. Um, I have, uh, I do have clients that I, um, get right off the ground in 2018 with no social media presence, which I always love and is wonderful and great. Um, and it can be done. Um, and I, and I love that. I have an opportunity to do that, but oftentimes, um, you know, when you're first starting out, you might be getting some early low hanging fruit and some early wins, and then the winning stops. And then you come to somebody like me, and you're like, what's going on? And I say, well, let's, let's take a look and see. And I ask you a whole bunch of questions in a discovery questionnaire. And then I take all of your answers. And I go out onto the internet. And I look at all of your data. And I peek behind your kimono. And I try to figure out what's failing. So you know, in marketing for events uh, or for anything, really, mm-hmm. very few people will see, a, say, for example, a social media post or, um, you know, a blog post or a Pinterest pin and then all of a sudden lose their minds and book you you know, like, I don't know why I need a photographer. I just love this so much. I'm going to book a photographer. I don't know why I need a wedding planner. I just love this so much. I'm going to book a wedding planner. No, there needs to be like certain criteria in place. One, they need to be planning an event. Two, they need to have some information um, answered for them before they can make decisions, right? So in the beginning, when they're thinking about how they want their event to look and feel for their guests they might be on pinterest looking for inspiration and before they can move to the next step which is you know looking at potential vendors and vetting event planners um, they need to know some information like how much does this cost are there planners available in my area and so uh oftentimes with my clients what they're doing is they're all over social media either with a hard retail message, book now, book now, book now, calendar's filling up, book now, book, 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 like they're chickens. (laughs) Or, right? Or they're out there saying, here's some pretty things, here's some pretty things, here's some pretty things, you figure out what to do next. And so what I do is I help clients connect the dots between a a couple's natural wedding planning cycle Mm -hmm. and their natural marketing and sales cycle. And I, I help them meet their potential clients where they're at and lead them to the next step so that they can book them. And then what I do from an analytical standpoint is I look and see where the gaps are. So maybe you're really great at the inspiration stuff, driving traffic to your website, getting a whole bunch of um, audience on social media and engagement, for, but for some reason, nobody's inquiring. So I'm the yeah. person that takes a look at all of that and tells you why.
0: Oh wow. That's amazing. That's it's (laughs) fun. I bet. I bet it's so much fun. Well, you also get to help so many people too. Yes, and I think on both
1: sides, right? Like, it's not just about helping wedding pros; it's about helping all of those, you know, clueless couples that are trying to muddle through wedding planning.
0: Yeah, it. I think sometimes we also forget how clueless. I mean, for the sake of another word. Oh, how cool is our clients are because they don't do this very often.
1: Hopefully once.
0: Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. So they don't really have much, much experience with it.
1: Right. So the more that you can sort of put yourself out there and, and build trust and give potential clients what they need when they need it. And in the beginning, they need inspiration. Yeah. And and then after that, they probably need some some basic questions answered about wedding planning in general. Like how much does it cost? You know, how do I manage my guest list? Like all the things that you see in the wedding planning books or the bridal magazines. Right. After that, they're going to start making some decisions about location and vendors and they need to know what kind of vendors are available, who can execute on their inspiration and vision. Um, and then when they get into the, you know, into the, okay, I'm ready to book somebody phase, Mm -hmm. um, at that point, they have your website up and three of your competitors' website up. And at that point, they're looking at your you know, services page and your portfolio and, and really comparing you against your competitors. But what I see a lot of planners do is they leave a lot of um, goodwill and attention on the table by just focusing on the moment where the couple's ready to book and if you can start being a guide on the side from the beginning, at the inspiration phase, and then the, in the general research phase, um, y- you'll start beating your competitors who aren't doing that.
0: Wow. And do you think that has to be done not only through blog uh, not only in social media, but through blogs as well?
1: Yes, I think that it needs to be done in a, a number of different ways. Um, and if you, uh, you kind of brings up a good point, Um, And that is different platforms lend themselves to different places in that natural wedding planning cycle. And indeed, different parts of your website lend themselves um, differently to different parts of that cycle. And so where you can start being sort of a call to action superstar is by um, thinking about where people are hanging out at what stage in the wedding planning cycle and then what is the next logical step to either deepen the relationship with you or bring them into the next stage of that planning process and booking cycle. So for example, Pinterest tends to be the platform of inspiration, right? And so if you know that People are looking on Pinterest for inspiration then you know that the pins that you're pinning need to have inspiration focused keywords right in the caption so that's color and style and yeah. maybe venue location and there's if you think about what can people do to deepen their relationship with you on Pinterest it ends up being engagement metrics Right. So instead of just thinking about engagement metrics is engagement's good. Yeah. You think about it within context of this, this person's experience planning their wedding. And you say, I'm going to measure how well I can deepen the relationship between my audience and my brand on Pinterest, which is an inspirational platform by monitoring how many, re, you know, uh, repins I get, how many saves I get, which it used to be pins, and how many followers I get. And what that tells you from a data standpoint is how well your content is resonating and how well it's deepening the relationship between you and your audience, right? Because people don't take action if they don't care about you. Now, the second thing is, how do I get them to take the next logical step? Well, if they're on Pinterest and they're looking for inspiration, the next logical step is not filling out in inquiry form the next logical step is probably visiting your website and reading a blog post or looking at a real wedding or maybe even visiting your portfolio and so that becomes a metric for Pinterest that becomes meaningful in terms of your sales cycle and the wedding natural wedding planning process because the next logical step to move them out of um, that inspiration phase would be to, to move them onto your website, and they're either going to see more inspiration, which is yours, or you can even move them down funnel or, you know, to the next step in the wedding planning process and offer them some um, wedding planning tips. And so you just break everything up and do these super small steps. And you look at every platform and you say, where are my clients? You know, what if what are my clients? What do my clients need from this platform? How are they using this platform? How can I show up in an authentic way on that platform? And then how can I deepen the relationship with my audience on that platform and or move them to the next step in the wedding planning process?
0: Uh, Wow. I, I, you're <laughs> blowing my mind because I think we often forget how um, in-depth each – little department of our businesses need to be in order to grow and i'm particularly excited because i'm in this position where um my business is growing and it comes to a point like i'm either going to fulfill my events or i'm going to do marketing i can't do both at the same time and so what you're saying to me it just shows even more how marketing and social media is more than just a post. There has to be intention behind it. There has to be a reason, a next step. And just like you said, what is that person going to do from point A to point B? Because we all know it's not just one click away or one no. post
1: away. You're never one click away. No. You're like 12. <laughs> I know. But, but here's the deal, right? So two two things I'd like to say. One. If you think about it, it 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 it, feel, it might feel in depth because we're like doing this deep dive into Pinterest right now in this conversation. But really I'm just asking two basic questions and those questions are repeated for every platform, for every page on your website, you know, if they're on the, on the blog, what's the next logical step that they can take? Well, if they're looking at a real wedding on your blog, a great next logical step would be to look at your portfolio when they're on your portfolio, the next logical step might be to, um, um, you know, look at what it's like to work with the team or what your services are entail. Um, if they're on that page, it might be the next logical step is to inquire. So even on your website, you can start really moving people through your website purposefully and just showing up is the the ultimate hostess. Right. But it's right. always two questions. What can I do to deepen the relationship? And is there anything I can do to move them to the next logical step? Um, I liken it a lot to if you're going to throw a cocktail party at your house, if you're a good hostess, you don't just like when the doorbell rings, you don't just like come open the door, turn your back on your guests, walk away and let them figure out where the cocktails are. Where to put their coat, where to use the bathroom, what friends are in the backyard they might want to talk to.
0: Right. You You have to walk them
1: through it. Yeah. You say, welcome. We have cocktails and hors d'oeuvres in the kitchen. You can put your coat down the hallway on the left. It's right next to the bathroom. Oh, and I saw Amy out by the bonfire in the backyard. I mentioned you were coming. She's interested in talking to you. Right. Your website should do the same thing. Oh, my
0: God. I didn't even think about that. We are both hosts at events and on everything else. I, right. And it's one so of those things where we forget we, that people need instructions. Yeah. We, and we're so immersed into our own businesses that we're forgetting that the the clients that we work with come to us because they don't know what they're doing.
1: They don't know. And the other thing is, is is, is pretty pretty in the wedding industry just gets you parody. Pretty just gets you looking like everybody else. What can set you as, apart from the competition is this real a uh, heart toward, um, service and, uh, being a great hostess. Because yeah. if you dump somebody into your homepage and all they say is see is pretty, hopefully they can get through it. Um, right. and there's a certain percentage that do, cause you're getting the inquiries. Yay. Go you. Right. But from a content optimization and conversion optimization standpoint, I'm always looking to be an outstanding hostess, whether it's out on the internet and on social media, dealing with other humans or on the web page. And I just try to make it really simple um, for couples to do business with my clients.
0: Wow, that's, you're blowing my mind already.
1: Okay. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, thank you. Um, okay, so one of the other talking points that, that we were, um, discussing before was to know your place in the ecosystem of the social o- social media. What do you exactly mean by that, by knowing your place?
1: Oh, so, um, I, I love this concept. It's one that we, for some of us forget, some of us don't, but, um, I have a friend here in Mammoth Lakes, California, who, um, she has an event planning business I actually rent office space from her so I'm, I'm in wedding planning world every day which is great but that's not the oh, story okay the story is is she just got a puppy <laughs> and <laughs> and I was on um I was on Facebook I ma- I manage a lot of uh different client accounts and so I'm on Facebook and Instagram a lot and uh You know, I usually start by logging into my personal profile so I can like and comment on my client's stuff to help with the algorithm. And I see her puppy, which is fine, Um, I love it. She has like seven pictures, I look at all the pictures, I like all the pictures, I comment, and then the next day I see more puppies and it's just puppy time all the time on my Facebook feed because of this friend who got a puppy. And I'm just losing my mind over this. I I love dogs. I love this friend. Um, It's just right up my alley. And the part about knowing your place in the ecosystem is that when you are posting on social media, on Instagram or, or Facebook, which are the two key ones, and you are posting a couple's portrait and you're writing a post that says, we just loved you know, Alex and Jamie's wedding this past weekend and we are just swooning over the golden candlesticks and saying the things that everybody else says, you are competing with kittens and puppies on the internet. You're competing with people's friends. You're competing with people's family. You're competing Uh. with their grandmother. And so understanding your place in the ecosystem means that just because you take five minutes to post something on the internet does not mean anybody's going to care. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. Right. But because if, I, if I'm spending all my time looking at my friend's puppy, which is delighting me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I don't have time to look at every single post on, on, on Facebook or on Instagram. There's just too many. Um, if you can't bring your A-game to your post – and make me care about what you're talking about and sing my song and tell my story, I'm just gonna pass right over you. Mm. The second thing is, is, and this is the bad news, and I'm so sorry to break it to you, but. (laughs) Break it to me. In fact, you're never gonna compete with your friends, with with your client's friends' puppies, right? Right. So if, if she posts her puppies, and her friends lose their minds like I did. And she gets like 300 reactions, you know, likes, loves and wows. Um, and she gets like 112 comments. You're never going to compete with that. So don't measure yourself against kittens and puppies. What you want to do is you want to come back and say, okay, I'm on social media. I'm competing with kittens and puppies and grandma. They're... I'm never going to come close to beating that kind of competition. So I'm going to break it down to how can I serve my audience and be a good hostess? How can I measure my ability to deepen the relationship with my audience and how can I bring them to the next step? And if you get, you know, half a percent to 1% engagement on your posts, you can pat yourself on the back because you're never going to hold a candle to puppies, kittens, and grandma. But if you can get enough of the right people who are qualified to do business with you, to care about you because you've served them, and deepen the relationship with you through these metrics, engagement, blah, 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 and then bring them to the next step, such as visiting your website, or watching a video, or following or liking your page, then you can feel good about it. I think we put so much pressure on ourselves, on social media, running social media as a business, to get all these likes and all these comments and be these super stars on social media. And A, it's really hard and takes a long, t- a long time and a lot of money usually. Um, and B, you're never gonna compete with kittens, puppies, and grandma on these channels. And so yeah. if you can just be gentle with yourself, and start tracking whether or not you're successfully deepening the relationship and moving people to the next step, and you follow that sales funnel or wedding planning process all the way down to the inquiry and the booking stage, then you can get some real clarity about where you're doing fine and where you're falling down and you need to put some shine on. Yeah. So again, for example, if you're doing a great job at – Getting that half a percent to 1% organic engagement, which is all you can hope for uh, at this point without paying for it. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Um, And you're driving traffic to your website and they're staying on your website. You don't have a high bounce rate. They kind of love your stuff. They're all over your blog. They're looking at your portfolio. They're looking at your about us section. And for some reason, they're just not filling out your inquiry form. Guess where you need to put your time and energy guess what needs to be fixed? It's not social media.
0: Yeah. Oh, can you hear me? I can. Okay. I, something that you said that really stuck out to me, it's, it's the engagement and you said half of a percent to 1%. And it's one of those things that I keep hearing about and I know it's true and we should all know it's true. It's, it's also not too much about the likes that we're getting, but it's all, it's about the conversion. And not the amount of followers that we have, but how much revenue we are creating from the followers that we have.
1: Yes, yes, but it's not as a direct line. Um, So sometimes I'll I'll work with clients and (laughs) in the discovery I say, so, you know, what have you tried that hasn't uh, worked? you know, a lot of times they'll say um, I had this one client that said, you know, I advertised on all these uh, direct wedding directories and blogs, and that didn't work. So I stopped. And I got in and I looked at their Google Analytics. And um, these places where she was advertising on blog directories, and you know, the larger wedding directories the Knot and not in Wire, we um, were actually driving a lot of traffic to our website. And the problem wasn't that the blog directory wasn't converting the blog directory's job is to drive traffic to your website not sell weddings your website's job is to to get you inquiries not sell weddings and so understanding where everything's place is you don't you don't convert on social media you you convert in a in a client consult you don't convert on your website you 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 drive leads through your inquiry form and so, a lot of times when people say, you know, Instagram's not converting, Facebook's not converting, whatever's not converting, um, they don't really they don't really understand that there's a a big process from, you know, engagement to driving traffic, from driving traffic to driving leads through the inquiry form, and then your job of showing up on a Skype call or a face to face meeting and actually selling that client. So no, that that that. Social media posts is never going to quote unquote convert into a client. That's Uh, true. It might convert into traffic. And if you can convert social posts into traffic, but you can't convert that traffic into inquiries, the problem still isn't the social media post. The problem's your website. So understanding like what the problem really is in that big, you know, process from, oh, I'm aware of your brand to, I'm interested in your brand to, I'm considering, inquiring to inquiring to sitting down with you and having a client consult to booking and signing on the dotted line and, and doing the deposit is a big long process
0: yeah it, and it's a and it's goes back to the first conversation that we had of knowing what's the next logical step that person right. is going to take
1: because so often what we do is we put Time and energy into social media or getting published on blogs, and we do all the things, and then we wait for this sort of organic lift in sales that will feel. Yeah. And when it doesn't happen, we're like, well, that didn't work, right? I can't tell you how many times I've had clients come to me for a discovery call and say, you know, I'm. I, I'm, I'm not booking any weddings you know my bookings are down my traffic is down and they're doing a month over month comparison and when I look at the year over year comparison I find that their traffic might be up 12% and their revenue might be up 5% I'm like what what, what do you mean your traffic and revenue is down like I'm looking at your year over year comparison and, and you're up year over year and they're like oh but last month <laughs> like listen <sighs> There's a natural wedding planning cycle and a 12-month calendar for us as well. You're probably going to be booking a lot and getting a lot more inquiries between November and February, which is North Americans' natural engagement cycle. And, you know, they're coming to me in August saying, you know, my my bookings are down. I'm like, they're not down. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know. Guilty.
0: Really. I am so guilty of that.
1: Well, don't judge conversion by you know, how you feel about yourself and your business when you get up in the morning. You, you need and don't judge like the health of your business by your gut instinct or whether or not campaigns are working by how, whether or not you feel like sales are up or down. This is where this is where you really need to get into the data and the analytics to understand what's going on. Um, so you know how to fix real problems if they are indeed present. Um, and you can just calm down if they're not <laughs> problems.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Oh, my gosh, my husband tells a story all the time of every every year except for this year. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm not going to hit last year's numbers. And then he's like, calm down. It's not the time. And then suddenly we're hit more than hitting last year's numbers and yeah. the year prior's numbers. And it's just because of how, you know, it's the entrepreneur roller coaster where you wake up one day and you have this feeling and the feeling's not true. <laughs>
1: and this is um this doesn't have to do with marketing this is just like a personal confession that i'd like to make about sort of money and cash flow and the entrepreneur roller coaster and that is um i was uh, making quite a bit of money and at the beginning of the year i couldn't make payroll and i was like oh my gosh my business is failing what's going on and what has happened what happened was um didn't pay myself. It was very painful, oh. and uh, yeah, it was a bummer, you know. And yeah. <clears throat> I had to tap into my savings for to make my car loan and whatever. But what I um, discovered, what I did was, I just created a quick and dirty cash flow spreadsheet for myself. I like spreadsheets; it's how my mind thinks. But you can certainly download one from um, the the internet, or just use QuickBooks or whatever to do it. But basically, um, what I notice when I laid out my cash flow worksheet is that I have certain months throughout the year, especially if I'm traveling for speaking engagements. I speak at NACE and ABC and I'm gonna be at Sage uh Sage um Sage Wedding Pros. Sage Wedding Pros, yeah, in, awesome. in Miami this year. And when I'm traveling, I'm spending a lot more money than it's coming in. And so with a cash flow worksheet, I lay it all out so that I make sure that um, I'm saving money to account for the times where I'm going to have negative cash flow. And I, I've turned it into a little game where I, I see how quickly in the year, like in the first quarter or two, how quickly I can get all of the months to be in the black all the way through December. Right? And then, right. then, I, then I'm not feeling the pain of, you know, because it's really hard to make space For good marketing decisions and good business decisions when you wake up in the morning you're like I can't pay myself or I have to tap into my savings or I have to cash in my retirement in order to make this work and when you're in that kind of financial stress of course it feels like your marketing's not working of course you're gonna panic and be like I need to figure this out for Facebook or Facebook ads or blogging or directing I need to do something now um and if you just like start minding your financial Ps and Q's, which is not my bailiwick, that's actually Michelle Loretta. So if you if you do need somebody to help you like with the financial planning and getting those ducks in order. Yeah. I took her cash flow class. It's excellent and she can help. But you know, marketing the type of marketing I do that is long term and sustainable also takes a long time to do. And so you know, I generally don't take clients that sa- that are like, I'm going to go into credit card debt to pay for you. And in three months, I need to be back in the black. I'm like, oh. mm. <laughs>
0: no, it's a long term play.
1: Yeah, I mean, it can be a short term play. If you have money to invest in advertising, I've definitely brought people out of the whole um, investing in that way. But it's not my favorite thing to do. Like my favorite thing to do is have you go to Michelle Loretta and get your financial affairs (laughs) in order and then come to me when you're in the black.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. Wow. Oh my gosh. This is amazing. I can't even thank you enough. Okay. So something that let's just like go right to me because something that I've been guilty of is writer's block because I you know, you just get to a point you're just like, what the heck do I post about now? Um, especially because we are in the wedding business. We us wedding pros, we know everything, right? But our couples don't. So how does one know one step one would be question one would be what how do we determine what to post about? And then how do we kind of try to avoid writer's block?
1: I love that question. It's my favorite thing to do for clients and it wasn't <laughs> even in the talking point. So thanks for bringing that up. So to figure out what to post and just to kind of back up, I do done for you social media marketing for six different clients now. Okay. And, um, and a lot of them are the same, right? Like they're the <laughs> same. So I got to I'm so sorry. I'm, 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 de- I'm generally a very optimistic person. But I have a couple of uh, points of cynicism. And one point of cynicism is, like, everything in the wedding industry looks the same. It I, Like it does. I've been blogging for eight years. <laughs> I've been a, cons- yeah. a full time consultant for two years, uh, doing client work for that period of time. And everything really, really does look the same. And so how do like when everything looks the same, it's really easy to be overcome with writer's block because um, you just feel like you're doing what everybody else is doing and participating in the echo chamber. Right. And the unfortunate thing about that is the clients feel that as well. And if they can't tell the difference between you and your competition and the value you bring, um, you are going to attract price shoppers. It's not because they're cheap. You know, they might have a. $130,000 $130,000 budget, but if they can't tell the difference between you and the and the wedding planner down the street, they're going to ask you about price because right. that's the only thing they can think of. So there's yeah. two things that I do to um, know what to write about to attract the right clients so that you can rise above your competition in this space where everything looks and sounds the same and um, how to never have writer's block again. So the first is what to talk about. There's a lot of controversy out there about an ideal client avatar, and I know that there's a lot of pushback, and I just want to disabuse everybody of that right now. I work in agency land. I've worked in corporate marketing. We all use market personas. We all use brand documents. It's just how you do marketing. Yeah. The problem is, is nobody actually taught you how to use your ideal client avatar, (laughs) So you spend all this time like belly button gazing, trying to figure out if they're like into coconut milk lattes, lattes or PSLs. And then you have this nice document and you're like, that's nice. What does this have to do with anything? So here's the deal. Your ICA should generally be your best self. Okay. And all of your ideal client avatars preferences should align with your preferences. Their values should align with your values. If they're family oriented, you should be family oriented. If they're nerdy and like literature, you should be nerdy and like literature. And this is how you start to bring your authentic personality into your brand and attract like-minded people. Okay. So as you're going through your ideal client avatar, you want to think about who your best client friend would be and write down all of those things. And you can use a lot of different ideal client avatar worksheets out there. I think I have the best, but a lot of them will do. Second thing you want to do with your ideal client avatar is you want to figure out what their hopes and dreams are for their wedding in general and what their hopes and dreams are for booking you, the wedding planner. Okay. And the reason why this is different is because not every every client is going to have the same um, uh, wedding day priorities as they do vendor priorities. So um, maybe for wedding, wedding planning, they tend to line up a little bit more, but maybe their wedding day priorities are awesome food and drink, everybody on the dance floor, you know, bridesmaids and grandma, and excellent photography. Okay, they don't talk about Excellent wedding planning services is a priority. So understanding that those are the three priorities, excellent photography, everybody on the dance floor, and excellent food and beverage can help you understand what types of content to curate to show your ideal clients that you can execute on their vision. So as a planner, instead of showing dress shots and ring shots and floral shots, you want to show more guest animation and event animation because you know that they want everybody on the dance floor mm-hmm. you want to show emotional details you want to skew your content toward those values then okay. with the what are their priorities for booking you you push all you put all that onto your website in terms of like what your packages are what it's like to work for you but basically knowing their values helps you skew your content toward attracting them Similarly, if you know that their values are um, understated luxury, uh, they value family and relationships, and um, they are um, refined but unpretentious, then you start selecting images and stories that hit those values. So if you know they're family oriented, you wanna show, family you want to show shots of dad walking whomever down the aisle you want to show shots of people crying you know like those emotionally poignant details that have to do with family you want to have a lot of grandma in there yeah so instead of looking at style Me pretty that's posting like 20 times a day of everything you start getting really specific using your ideal client avatars values and hopes and dreams to push your content Secondly, your ideal client avatar is going to have very specific challenges when it comes to planning her wedding and also when it comes to booking vendors like you. That's blog post fodder. If you know that she is freaked out about um, rain and thunderstorms for a summer wedding in New England, um, Mm -hmm. then you can start writing blog posts about plan B uh, having a plan B for weather and how you've managed other clients, um, through a plan, a weather plan B. Okay. So that's the ideal client avatar. Now tell me where I'm wrong, but you create your ideal client avatar, you start marketing to her, and then you find out that that magical unicorn doesn't actually exist in the real world. (gasps) So the second thing I do is to to validate because you know I love data to validate my ideal client avatar. I go out onto the internet and I try to find her in discussion forums and Facebook groups. So oh if your if your ideal client avatar values luxury and understated, um, you know understated luxury and she's not pretentious and she tends to be optimistic and family oriented, go to the discussion forums and look for people who talk like her. Not the people who are complaining and, and, and being negative all over the place, but the people who represent your ideal client avatar and put and start scraping those comments out and putting them in a spreadsheet, get about 100 together, and then keyword code them, right? And when you keyword code them, it's your keywords. So keywords that can come up can be things like um, uh, just a hodgepodge of keywords that have come up with client work are feeling overwhelmed, mm-hmm. um, dealing with family issues. My parents are overbearing. My parents are paying for the, the wedding and want control over everything, um, looking for local, organic, sustainable resources, things like that.
0: Yeah. And
1: what you'll do is when you keyword code this research that is validating your ideal client avatar, themes will start to emerge. And one of the ways to avoid writer's block is is to just start answering questions and start um, you know, producing content around their, their, the themes that have come up through the research. So if you know that they're looking for um, organic, sustainable local resources, then you have an entire blog post theme that does a business highlight for the local flower farm and the farm to table caterer and the this and that and everything else. But always when you're producing content, you're looking at either your ICA or your market research or both and using that to produce content. And then the final tip is, is once you have your ICA done and you validated it with market research, you're going to want to come up with six themes. And in marketing land, these are called core content categories or core content pillars. And under these themes, you're going to have like a whole bullet pointed list of things that you can talk around about around this these themes, right? So if we have a theme that's um, local organic sustainable resources in Raleigh, North Carolina, because that's where you are as a planner, mm-hmm. then underneath that, you can do organic flower options, local gift options, farm to table options, farm to table catering, and when you get... When you set up your editorial calendar, whether it's your blogging calendar, your social media calendar, you want to do it a month in advance. A week is okay, but a month is better. And all you're going to do is rotate through these core categories. So oh you're going to have gosh. five or six. You rotate through them. You you set your themes first in in a spreadsheet or Airtable or, or Google Doc or wherever you want. Yeah. And then you pull. You find an image. From your image galleries that will support that theme and then you write your post and copy for it and schedule it all at month all at once and you have a month's worth of themes scheduled out you never had writer's block because you hit the same six themes over and over and over again and um, you can use your spare time to either engage in social media audiences or curate ad hoc comment uh, content as it comes up
0: oh my gosh this is amazing! Oh my gosh!
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of wish I, I love should. the fact
0: that you, you like just the the point that you made of going online to the um, the forums or the groups where you can see what your brides are asking is just you know great for content because all you're doing is answering the questions that they're asking.
1: Yes. Now the caveat with that is, um, and this is, this is why I do ICA work before I do the research. I used to just do research to see what was out there. Um, and I do keyword research and, you know, discussion forum research. And the majority of clients that I found were negative and DIY and on a budget. Okay. <laughs> and I'd have a client who was trying to like break into the luxury, you know, wedding planning market or you know get premium brides or even average (laughs) brides right yeah Um, and so don't just go out onto the internet and start reading discussion forums because you're going to walk away angry (laughs) (laughs) take some time to do some ideal client avatar work really get a sense of who you want to work with and then go out into the internet and see if she exists Right. And then you can and if she doesn't exist, you're not going to find anything you're going to have to noodle around. Um, But in that way, you know, for example, uh, my ideal client is actually a wedding planner. Um, She's very hardworking. um, She's super optimistic and she's fearless when it comes to um, trying new things and failing. And so when I go out to the internet, and I do my own market research, and I'm on, you know, places like Rising Tide Society and wedding planner groups locally, and in, you know, things like that. Um, I'm looking for people who are saying, I tried this and failed. Or I tried this and learned from it. Uh, because my ideal client works hard and isn't afraid of failure. If you're going to be successful with me, you're going to have to be okay in the rough and tumble world of data and online marketing. And so what I don't do is I don't pull those comments and questions from people who are like, I'm clueless, and I just don't know what to do. Can somebody save me? Yeah. And so I I answer the questions and talk to the people who are like, yes, I can do this. Yes, I can work hard. Yes, I can figure this out. No, I'm not afraid of data. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not afraid of data. (laughs) Does that make sense? Like you really want to be purposeful about what comments you pull. Otherwise, you're just going to make yourself bitter.
0: (laughs) It's almost saying, are they ready? Like when you're looking for your client, are they ready? Because there's a lot of people who want to do certain things and want to grow. But you also have to be in the mentality to be be ready. And like you said, they have to be fearless because you're going to make them try things that they haven't done in the past. And they may work, they may not work, but they need to be able to you know, try something, doesn't work, you get back up, and you try something else.
1: Yes. Yes. And be okay with that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I had a client say to me, like, I, it's a brand new client, bringing them on line from scratch. So I set up their Facebook page, I set up their Instagram channel, like everything is from scratch. And in month one, um, you know, we have our baseline metrics. And in month two, we had a slight decline in engagement. And the client came to me and said, what's going on? I was like, I don't know. I don't have enough data yet. Like, we're not going to be able to start understanding and getting some insights probably until the first quarter, maybe the second, because we're starting from scratch. And so, you know, that's kind of the other thing um, that I would encourage, you know, planners and training to do is uh, don't hit the panic button when you're starting from scratch in the first quarter And um, you might want to even give it two full quarters just to, you know, try what you try and throw some things against the wall and make your best guess and and then come back and look at some of the analytics and see what's working and what's not working. Because the balance between or the opposite side of looking, not looking at data is looking at data too much and too often. You're just getting, you're not, you're getting so granular that you can't see patterns anymore
0: right that's that's a great tip too is that you can't just try it once you have to give yourself some time right to for things to accumulate that data
1: right yes even when i do advertising i'm like well we're going to if you're a client of mine you'll hear me talk about baseline metrics a lot um there is no magic bullet no. every audience is different every business is different, we can try some best practices, you know, we can, we can try to download Tyler J. McCall's monthly Instagram editorial calendar and see if it works. And it will either work or it won't, or some things will work and some things won't. But there isn't one right way to do this. The best that you can do is to set up some baseline metrics and see if you can move the needle incrementally month over month and quarter over quarter. So when people come to me from scratch, and they want me to do something for them, I need time to learn their audience, learn what content works, learn what content doesn't work, look at their data and analytics for any kind of patterns or fluctuations. And generally, when I'm starting from scratch, it's not until the third month at the end of the first quarter of, of working where I start to see patterns. Wow. You it takes a minute.
0: <laughs> it does. And I have to tell you, Christy, this has been I wish we had more time because I know that you are are a wealth of knowledge, and I'm just very impressed at what I've been what we've been talking about and what you have brought to the table. Um, I but like again, I wish we had more time because I know there's more talking points, so maybe we can have you back to keep telling us more on what to do. But in the meantime, Christy, Where can people find you, get more information about you, perhaps inquire about um, working together with you?
1: Sure. Thanks for asking. So you can... Find me at mountainsidemedia.com. That's all one word. And um, I have two options right now. You can sign up for a strategy session with me, which is a half hour of um, me looking at your brand and giving you three to five actionable steps that you can do immediately to move the needle. Um, It will require you to fill out a discovery questionnaire. So I, you know, have some contacts, but you can schedule a strategy call with me immediately. I have a download that's actually going to be going away. It's a little bit off brand. I'm right in the middle of a rebrand. So things are in flux, but um, it's an online guide to competitive research. And if you sign up to it, you'll, you know, you'll hit my email autoresponder. um, And within two emails, I'll bonus you out and give you my ideal client avatar worksheet, which is this comprehensive thing that I've been talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, I am in the middle of creating a quiz after working with um, clients for two years. I have come to know that everybody actually has a natural marketing talent that I've started to identify. Um, so that quiz is going to be dropping in the next four weeks or so. Uh, The reason why I'm saying that is that if you're listening to this podcast in September 2018 and you want my market research guide, you need to download it now because I'm going to make it go away. And then finally, if you don't mind, shameless plug, um, I'm actually relaunching my marketing ROI course that I ran in 2016 um, and it steps you through this ideal client avatar uh, work, the market research content strategy and theming. And then it also um, shows you how to measure uh, conversion and ROI at each step of the wedding planning process. So oh, wow. if, if you sign up for my downloadable guide, you will get access to everything that's coming in the future.
0: <laughs> okay, that's awesome. And so where would they find that course?
1: The, it, it, I'm relaunching it. So it should relaunch this fall. And okay. if, they, if they sign up for, you know, for my competitive research guide at mountainsidemedia.com, they'll be signed up on my email list. And they'll, I won't spam you. I try not to be too <laughs> ridiculous on my e- email list. But um, you will start getting um, some launch emails. Not the cheesy kind. But you'll start <laughs> getting some launch information um, later on this fall.
0: Awesome. I'm looking forward to it. And one last thing. What is one thing that we should all be looking at if we, if we could take one thing from this call that could be actionable for us to at least get started?
1: I think the, the one thing that you should look at from my standpoint, and we didn't talk too much about this. I kind of danced around it, but your website is your hub all of your marketing efforts are going to lead to your website. Even if you're just getting referrals, those referrals are going to check out your website. And so what I would do is I would look at Google Analytics. If you're on Squarespace and using Squarespace's analytics, get Google Analytics as well. Squarespace will be the first to tell you that they're not as robust. Sign up for Google Analytics and look at the health of your site. Look at your ability to drive traffic Look at how sticky your website is. Is your bounce rate low or high? It should be lower than 50%. Um, 30% is even better. Look at the top pages that people are landing on and the bounce rate for that. So if you have a low bounce rate on your blog and a high bounce rate for your inquiry, mm-hmm. there's a problem. You need to optimize your inquiry page. And for the love of God, set up a conversion goals in Google Analytics and all that is is a thank you page. So if somebody inquires with you instead of getting a pop-up that says, thank you, we'll be in touch soon, send them to a different landing page. This is thank you for your inquiry, you know, write them a little love letter. But that landing page gets set up as a goal in Google Analytics and that is the only way you can really reliably understand what your conversion rate is. Okay. So even though we were talking about social media, People don't buy on social media. People go to your website from social media. So, if your website is not in order, if your affairs are not in order on your website, if you can't convert that traffic into inquiries on your website, all of the social media strategy and tactics in the world are not going to help you book more clients. You've got to get that in order first.
0: Right. I agree. So, take a look at the website. That is a first thing. Take yes. a look at our website. If we're using Squarespace, Make sure we get Google Analytics, and then take a look at our bounce rate, and hopefully it's less than 50, ideally yes. less
1: than 30. Yes, and then one more tip from the social media side. Okay. Think of think of the five words, five adjectives you want your brand to be associated with, it, and then go onto your social media posts and see if what you're posting represents that. So you know if your if your brand keywords are something like um, quirky modern, sophisticated, clever, and um, fun, and you're posting all of these, like, super dreamy, light and airy romantic pictures, um, there's going to be a disconnect. So think of your brand adjectives, look at all of your social media content from a visual and captioning standpoint, and ask yourself if you're really showing up and representing your brand on social media, or you're just doing what everybody else is doing.
0: That's, again, another good point. (laughs) You're just such a wealth of knowledge. Can I just keep you on the phone forever? Well, thank you,
1: thank (laughs) you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure talking about all this. Obviously, I'm pretty passionate about it. So, um, and again, if people want help in another set of eyes, Sign up for a strategy session with me. I'll ask you your brand adjectives and I'll and I'll take a look at your social media for you and tell you wh- you know where to go what you're doing really well and and where you could optimize.
0: Perfect thank you so much for your time and I look forward to hopefully jumping on another call with you in the future and again, thank you have a great week and talk to you soon.
1: Thanks you too
0: Bye bye.